You're listening to the Unstoppable Yes You podcast, Start, Run, and Grow series. I'm your host, Curlis Phillip. We've invited seasoned as well as up-and-coming entrepreneurs to share their stories, including the challenges and lessons learned on their journey to building a profitable business. This series is packed with valuable insights for aspiring entrepreneurs. Today, I'm speaking with Jolie Pollard, the CEO of Icoma Hair. The Belizean entrepreneur is on her way to building an eco-friendly hair care enterprise using natural and sustainable seaweed. Jolie is also doing her part to reduce plastic litter in the environment and was awarded the Commonwealth Marine Litter Innovation Award for her efforts. Jolie, welcome. Hi, Curlis. Thank you for having me. So you were born in Belize. Tell us about your upbringing. So I was actually born in Belize City, but my grandparents moved to this village, this little fishing village in the 70s and from Belize City. And they started like the first restaurant here. My family and I and my cousins, and we used to come here for every school vacation. So every year of my life, I would spend all my school vacations here in Placencia. Real village beach life. That was this part of my growing up and now I live here I've been living here now for nine years and so I heard that your grandfather was not only a beloved musician in Belize but he was also known for his seaweed punch so would you mind sharing what were those secret ingredients in that famous punch sure so this seaweed punch was something that like you know the workman used to drink and and it has reputation in Belize as being like an aphrodisiac for men it's almost like stout or guinness it's very strong for your back seaweed actually helps a lot with sperm health so that's where that whole legend came from but what my granddad did was kind of innovated it my, at my grandmother's restaurant and started making it like a blended milkshake before they would just put it in a bottle and shake it up with milk and uh, rum or brandy and spices and so he started blending it in the blender with thin milk and spices but it came out a lot creamier and thicker like a milkshake it became very popular and for a long time the restaurant was really popular in the village for having this amazing seaweed shake and now everybody makes the seaweed shake well, it sounds yummy and definitely healthy, right? Considering seaweed is known for having like rich antioxidants and minerals. So mm, sounds delicious. Oh, yeah. Lots of minerals. What inspired you to go on this hair care journey? You know, like a lot of people in the Caribbean, I'm, I'm very mixed. My dad looks like a white guy, but, you know, he's Creole, believe. And my mom has a more... East Indian look. My mom has like very light curls. My dad has straight hair. And I have three older brothers who all wore their hair short. And my cousins had straighter hair than I did. I wasn't around anyone who knew about curls. I didn't appreciate my hair growing up. I hated my hair. It was frizzy. It was dry. We were always trying different products from the stores. And at the time, you know, there was products in, in Belize are very limited and it was marketed to like black women who are using hair relaxers who want to straighten their hair or like white women or a Spanish girl with straight hair. <laughs> Found myself, I don't feel represented. There is nothing for me. Oh, so how did you discover um, seaweed as a remedy to find something that was unique to your curls and kinks? <laughs> When I went to the States in college, everybody loved my hair and the Carol's Daughter, all these uh, natural hair products were just starting. When I graduated from college and I had my first job, I could afford these products. And so I really started taking care of my hair and using natural ingredients. So when I came back to Belize, products that they were selling in the grocery stores here were not good. And 
drying up my hair. I was swimming and um, really wanted to protect like, my hair from the sun. I knew coconut oil was, you know, had natural UV properties. I started putting coconut oil in my hair every time I went out to the beach to go swim. That's what started the whole thing. I was like, okay, what can I add to coconut oil? <laughs> I had a roommate here who was actually doing some research with the seaweed farmers here and the Nature Conservancy. And so you know, we always had seaweed in the fridge, seaweed gels. And we were just kind of playing around. Let's put it in our hair. And she had light curls too, but lighter curls than me. And I just remember looking at each other like wow this feels amazing like, and then I said you know what why am I spending my money on all this stuff that isn't giving me the results I want that's kind of how it happened so you found a solution for your hair and then you said okay I'm going to turn it into a business venture and so how did you know you had a, a viable product line I had the cream I took it with me backpacking I decided to go backpacking one summer <laughs> through Central America, like I had 2,000, 1,000 US dollars to last me like two months, it was crazy. <laughs> and I had my little jar of cream in my, you know, using that for my hair and, and because I knew I wouldn't be able to find anything else when we travel outside Belize to these Latin American countries, like there was really nothing for our hair, you know. So anyway, I had my little thing and I was happy with it. I still felt it could be a little bit better. So I came back and I kept working on it. And then when I finally had something good, I think it was like it was doing the job well. I um I went on another trip. Tulum. I went to Tulum, Mexico for this concert. <laughs> and I stayed in this little hostel and there was a, um, a Nigerian German girl in the room. So she had thick, thicker curly hair than mine, really big, thicker curly hair. And she had just mentioned in the hostel, like, oh, man, I'm out of my hair product. And then I said, oh, my gosh, well, I'm, I'm taking the bus back to Belize tomorrow. And I, I make my own hair product. I'll just give you my jar because I have more at home. You can have it. And she was like, oh, my gosh, really? Okay. So I gave it to her. And she we, we had connected on Instagram. And she messaged me. And she's like, girl, this stuff is amazing. I can't believe you made this. You need to sell this. <laughs> And I was like, really? You think so? Because I, th- I mean, I knew it was good for me, but I had never had anybody else try it. I mean, when I saw her hair and I was like, you like my stuff? like, And then I, and that was it. That's all it took. And that moment I was like, you know what? I should do this. And it was really impulsive. I mean, I seriously just went online, ordered 50 bottles, 50 jars, some of the ingredients that I was using. And uh, I had about, it was 300 US on my credit card. I didn't have much money, but, you know, and I just, I was like, oh, I'll just do it. I had a picture on my iPhone that I had taken at one of the islands, a really pretty picture at the beach. And I just put that in Photoshop and made my first label. (laughs) And that was it. You got a a test subject by accident uh, to help you sort of validate that you were on the right path. So go ahead, continue in terms of how you went to launch in the business on like a bare bones budget. So I'm in my apartment on my laptop um, making this label on Photoshop. I send the labels to print the same company that I'm buying my containers from um, there in the States. And I was just so excited to get my shipment in. And when the shipment came in, I immediately put the labels on the bottles, made some. I don't even think I had filled them up yet. I took a picture and I started an Instagram page. I don't even think there was any product in there. I think it was an empty bottle and jar. <laughs> the first photo on my Instagram page. Um, but I was so excited and I started the Facebook page. My dad was the one I think who told me, hey, if you're going to start a business, you need to register 
your business now and trademark your name. And I was like, okay, yeah, I should do that. So I was like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to announce anything to anyone. I think I did that first before announcing the name on the internet. I, I went to the, the Belmont Fund, the capital, I believe, city, and I went to get it registered and I went to file for my trademark. And then I came out with it. At this point, I was really obsessed, <laughs> really, really obsessed with it. And I was neglecting my um, my freelance writing job. And actually, it was very terrible. I, I was missing my deadline. And then I... <laughs> I just ended up quitting. I just said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. But I, I needed money. I needed money to pay my bills and my rent. So I was actually working as a waitress as well. So I was slacking up on the freelance writing, but I kept my waitressing job. But at this point, I, I talked to a lady here in the village about it. And she said, you know, you can't sell your products yet. And I was like, what? What do you mean? I need to make my money back. I spent like, oh, I need to start paying back, paying off my credit card. And she said, no, you, you need to give these away. You need to let people try. And I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> and then I said, okay, fine. I just started giving people with curly hair. And then the reviews just started flooding in immediately. Everybody was just telling me how amazing it was. And so you've been running your business solo f- since 2019. What would you say are some of the challenges that you encountered? At first, I was really, really excited about what I was doing, but I didn't really know what I was doing. (laughs) My production method was off. It wasn't efficient at all. If I had probably done some more research and really like looked into, you know, making hair care products, I think I would have saved myself a lot of stress and trouble in the beginning and had a better product to give people. I was just going with a lot of intuition and my gut. I think about that and... I feel like it was necessary. I like the idea that I didn't look anywhere else for inspiration or try to see what anyone else was doing because I feel like it would have probably discouraged me. If I had found out maybe somebody else was making seaweed hair care products or I saw something that looked better than mine, I think I might have just been like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. You essentially, you know, launched this business and you took a very organic approach at building it, at testing it, at refining it. What are some of the steps that you take to actually grow your business? So in the beginning, it was very customer driven. I was very motivated by feedback. I knew it was working for me, but then I realized people of all different hair types were responding to the product, saying I was developing my marketing ideas and my campaigns on what customers were saying, like throwing a wider net and, you know, letting people know that this was um, this was not just for people like me, this was people for all different kind of curly hair. And at, at first, too, I thought it was just going to be, you know, like women of color. And then I realized, like, oh, all different ethnicities are responding to this. You have white people, indigenous people, Maya women with very straight hair. I really struggled with that because I wanted to be a niche market. I want to focus on curls, but I also didn't want anyone to feel left out. I started feeling really stressed about that, taking this customer-driven approach because I wanted to please everyone. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, if everyone is your target, then all of a sudden you no longer have a target, right? And that's not to say you cannot evolve the product line to meet the needs of others. But yeah, I, I could definitely understand the struggle that you 
you were dealing with, you also got into wholesaling as well. So tell us about that. Even though I'm a solopreneur and I'm working alone, a lot of my ideas and things that I've decided to do have come up because I'm talking with other people in business. So I did talk to one friend and she was just saying, you know, you need to get your stuff out in the stores. I was always worried about getting a wholesale price. And anyway, eventually I finally figured it out. I did have to borrow some money to be able to buy in bulk. That has been a huge help. That gives me a lot more confidence now with approaching store owners. They're doing well. They're like, your product is just flying off the shelves. So yeah, it was smart. (laughs) I'm glad I did that. That's great. And it's good to see the success you're having so far. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about some other efforts that you've worked on. So congrats again on your Commonwealth Marine Litter Innovation Award. Tell us about the Commonwealth Litter Program and your involvement. From the moment I started the business and the moment I ordered those plastic bottles, I felt guilty (laughs) because, I mean, the the times that we're living in, I live in a very eco-conscious community. We have a few NGOs that are based here in this village who work really hard with reef conservation. So for me to consciously purchase plastic, it felt wrong, you know? And so it was always on my conscience, like, I have to do something. I can't just be that person I had posted on my Instagram page and I was just like, I really want to find eco-friendly packaging one day for this product. And one of my customers sent me a message and said, hey, I saw your post and, you know, there's this grant available right now for small business owners who want to reduce plastic in their line and you should apply. (laughs) And I said, oh my goodness, thank you. And I found out like the grant proposal was due in like three days I quickly jumped on it. I put my presentation together and and I won. I couldn't believe it. The prize was $3,000 towards, uh, you know, purchasing the materials. And then also a trip to London to attend the Commonwealth Litter Program Conference in March 2020, where I would be able to join other winners from around the world showcasing what we've done in our business. So because of COVID, that conference was cancelled, so I didn't go, but I was able to buy my um, my materials. So when I told them what I was going to buy, I remember they were, okay, well, we need to make sure that what you're using is actually going to work and going to degrade, and it's not some package that's supposedly eco-friendly but it still harms marine life so I remember they were very critical of what I was going to buy. I found a company in Canada that makes these um, pouches. I was very drawn to them because their whole thing was that it starts degrading in the presence of microbes so in any waterways when it breaks down if a marine animal consumes it it's okay so I was like okay that would make me feel better. So I got from them I got it shipped down here to Belize. It's literally just a pouch with a ziplock top <laughs> and it's heat sealed to, sh- to close it and I really didn't know what my customers would fond to it but I put it out there and I was really surprised at how embracing they were of it. What advice Jolie would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs? Oh my gosh I feel like my advice wouldn't be conventional at all. <laughs> Go with your own creativity, stay in your own lane, see what you come up with Trust your gut and your instinct. I really do believe that if I had gone on the internet and looked up seaweed hair care products and started finding out more about what was out there, maybe I think I would have probably been scared and thinking like, oh, I can't do this. But because I just did my own thing, I, I kept with it. 
What's next for Ecoma Hair? What are some of the things you'd like to accomplish in the near term and the long term? And the number one question I get from my customers is, when are you going to have shampoo and conditioner? Because at this point, I've only been making two leave-in products. I'm still, you know, thinking about in the future that I might expand the line to offer more products. I always feel like there's room for improvement. So I just want to continue on this path of self-mastery you know, have a better website presence and trying to get into more stores and and then ultimately, yeah, reaching out of Belize. And the incentive there is not really for me necessarily. I realize the potential I have with supporting our seaweed industry here in Belize. And I think you're on your way. So keep doing what you're doing. So Julie, how can our audience learn more about Ikoma Hair? So you can visit my website. It's ikumahair.com because of COVID, it was, we were only shipping to the U.S., but we just reopened our route, so I should be able to ship to a lot more countries now. Sounds like a plan. Julie, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with our listeners. I think you have a bright future ahead of you, so I wish you all the best. <laughs> thank you so much, Curlis. To our listeners, I hope you were able to gain actionable insight that you can use to start, run, and grow your business. This is the final episode for our Caribbean Entrepreneur Series. We'll be back in about a month or so with a new series. To receive the Unstoppable Yes You podcast directly in your inbox, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting our website at unstoppableyesu.com. You can also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Red Circle, or Google Podcasts.